Everything was going great for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football team until it didn't. What all happened in the late game collapse against Florida? We'll touch on that and plenty more on this live reaction edition of Locked On Gamecocks. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome to this Sunday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI. As always, thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. There's a lot to digest when it comes to what happened to Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football team on Saturday afternoon against the Florida Gators. A game that, with about nine minutes left, looked like it was going to fall in the hands of South Carolina. It seemed like the Gamecocks were just a couple plays away from getting back to 500 and carving out a pretty noticeable path towards bowl eligibility, and then... It all just fell apart, and we're going to start specifically by breaking down what all happened in the final nine minutes. Here's the first thing I want to say. I know that when it comes to this game, the biggest storyline and a lot of the, I should say, complaints and honestly reasonable gripes relates to the defensive side of the ball and what all happened on that end. And we're going to touch on that in a few minutes, I promise y'all. But when it comes to the last nine minutes of this football game and why South Carolina lost, every single unit played a role in the fourth quarter playing out the way it did. Let's go back to around nine minutes, 11 seconds left in the fourth quarter. South Carolina had just scored a touchdown after Joshua Simon quite literally trucked a Florida Gators defensive back and scampered about another 20 yards into the end zone for six points. South Carolina had a chance to go up 11 on the ensuing extra point. And for the second time, I believe, this season, which we're not used to saying that about this South Carolina special teams unit, the Gamecocks botched the snap or something happened when Kai Kruger tried to get the snap from Hunter Rogers. And the Gamecocks wound up only staying at 10 points in terms of the margin between them and the Gators. And the reason why that was important was because That meant that Florida did not have to score two touchdowns. The key word there or key phrase is did not, but as we all saw in the next few minutes, it didn't matter at the end. The next possession, South Carolina's defense gets out there on the football field and two times they had a chance to get off the field on fourth down. For one reason or another, the Florida Gators were able to convert on both of those fourth down attempts And it eventually led to a touchdown. Okay, that's not ideal. But hey, the offense has had a really solid day. They get to go back out there on the field with less than about five minutes to go in the football game at that point. Spencer Rattler, Mario Anderson Jr., they've had really solid games. Maybe those guys can ice this football game. The offense goes out there and has the worst drive they had in the entire second half. That second-to-last possession. Basically, if it wasn't for a penalty that was committed by Florida's defense, there's a good chance that South Carolina would have gone three and out. In the second half, 
South Carolina's receivers, outside of really Xavier Leggett, they struggle to get separation against this Florida secondary. It's the second straight game that we have seen this receiving core have real trouble being able to win one-on-ones on the outside, and that is something that cannot happen considering the fact that this offensive line, and I'll talk about it later, they played a really good football game considering the circumstances, but they're still a work in progress when it comes to pass protection. And that reared its ugly head once again. So needless to say, South Carolina has to punt the ball back to Florida. Okay, the defense, they now have to go out there after a 28 or 29-yard punt by Kai Kroger only puts Florida at their own 25-yard line. But they still, you know, they just got to get one stop. Just got to get them to fourth down and get off the field. Florida's got no timeouts left, I believe, at this point. So they could still have a chance to win the football game. They get to fourth and ten. Three straight completions from Graham Mertz. All the momentum, for the most part, is still on South Carolina's side. The crowd's still in it. And then they give up around a 25-yard fourth down conversion to Ricky Pearsall. Yes, Nick Emanwari was in coverage, and I'll dive into that decision in terms of personnel later, but there was a couple mistakes that were made on that play. It wasn't just Nick Emanwari maybe not looking back for the football. DQ Smith had a free shot at Graham Mertz, and unfortunately, his angle was just too flat, getting back there towards Mertz, and Mertz was able to just sort of sidestep him and roll out of the pocket and throw the ball up for the best receiver on Florida's football team. Fast forward a couple minutes, Florida scores with 47 seconds left, and then the offense goes back out there once again, lack of separation, and Spencer Rattler, he has done so well this season, but he still has one really bad trait that especially once he gets to the NFL, he's going to have to kill it off. He has too many screw-it decisions that he makes at certain points in a football game. Rattler just throws it up to, I don't know who, about 40, 50 yards downfield, and I get it, he's frustrated, he probably can't believe he's having to go back out there and find a way to score another touchdown, or help this offense score another touchdown just to win the football game, but he throws it up, and Florida gets an easy interception, and it's ball game, and just like that, South Carolina fans are leaving that stadium stunned, wondering what the heck just happened, we had this game won, and all of a sudden now, we're now seeing this team walk out of here with a 2-4 and four record, 1-3 and three in conference play. So my point with going back over everything that happened at the end of this game is to emphasize that, again, I know one side of the ball is going to catch the majority of the flack for the next 5-6 days, and I'm not going to stop y'all from doing that. But what I will say is, when these kind of collapses happen, it's not just one side of the ball usually. It's typically a string of mistakes. And in this case, for South Carolina, it was in all phases of the game. Defense, offense, and special teams all played a role in this loss. And it goes to show that no matter how well you might have played in certain areas for the previous 51 minutes in this case, if you play bad enough just in a 9-10 minute stretch against a, maybe not great, but overall a decent football team, a team that at least has talent to make you pay like the Florida Gators, then you're going to end up walking out of there with a loss. And that's what happened on Saturday afternoon. So that is what all happened in the fourth quarter. Now, what exactly happened with this defense? What all led to them giving up 41 points to the Florida Gators? And are there some decisions that should be questioned by this defensive coaching staff or by the fans regarding the coaching staff 
coming out of this football game. I'm going to touch on all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Now, for those of you who are thinking about going to the Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt games, obviously those are two of the last four home games of the season. There's not many home games remaining for South Carolina. And those are two games where you look at them and you say, well, South Carolina, they got to be able to win those games, right? So if you are worried about potentially, you know, not getting a ticket for either of those games, feel free to go over and check out Game Time because they... Game Time allows you to snag the tickets without the stress. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is extremely simple to play because when you go and use Prize Picks today, you can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. You can make quick withdrawals, you can put yourself into easy gameplays, and you have an enormous selection of players and stat types to choose from, which is why some people consider Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash college and enter promo code college for a deposit matched up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college and promo code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Welcome back to this reaction edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day and speaking of every single day thank you as always to each and every one of you everydayers who make the lockdown gamecocks podcast your daily choice for south carolina gamecock sports coverage all right let's address the elephant in the room now let's talk about south carolina's defense we have seen some alarming trends with this side of the ball throughout the first five six weeks of the season and when you come into a game like this one against Florida, where you have two weeks, not just one, you have two weeks to get ready for this football game. You have a chance to get some of those defenders that are a bit nicked up or beat up and bruised back near 100% healthy. And this is a revenge game, and it's in front of your home crowd. You've got so many external factors that are in your favor if you are Clayton White and this defensive coaching staff and you're facing a Florida team that in terms of the passing game you know sure you got to respect what Graham Merch has done but it doesn't necessarily scare you I don't care the fact he threw over 400 passing yards in this game the running game was obviously maybe the biggest sort of threat that the Gators was going to offer on Saturday afternoon and South Carolina, they did a decent job of slowing down the ground game. They gave up a couple of explosive runs to Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne. But for the most part, they did a decent job of holding this run game in check. However, the thing that is concerning is the fact that I just mentioned earlier, Graham Mertz is a quarterback that should not scare you. Sure, Graham Mertz has decent athleticism. He can roll out of the pocket. He can conduct some play-action concepts. His accuracy downfield is not particularly good. As far as I'm concerned, his arm strength isn't exactly all that great. 
And yet, despite that, for the second time this season, South Carolina let a offense come into their stadium that wasn't, again, known for passing the football all over the yard, at least coming into that football game, and they let their quarterback, the opposing team's quarterback, I should say, throw for over 400 yards. Graham Mertz looked like a Heisman candidate against this South Carolina defense on Saturday. That is something that you never want to say when you're facing a guy like Graham Mertz that, again, I'm not trying to say that he's a scrub. He is certainly not a scrub. He is a decent quarterback, and I do think that Florida's coaching staff has done a good job of getting more out of him and using his skill set a lot better than Wisconsin's coaching staff ever did when he was up there playing for the Badgers. But this defense certainly did not help themselves on Saturday afternoon. This defense missed nine tackles in this football game. And it would have been 10 if it wasn't for a dead ball offsides penalty. This defense also had multiple breakdowns when rushing the quarterback once again. Four of them in particular. One of them was for due to a pump fake. Another one was because the DN bit on a play-action naked bootleg concept where nobody was going to stay back to block him. And unfortunately, the edge defender just did not recognize that it was a play-action play. There was also two other times where defenders, quite frankly, just took a bad angle on Graham Mertz, and that allowed him to either move up in the pocket or move out of the pocket laterally and extend the play. So in terms of execution, some people might think that Shane Beamer was a bit harsh in terms of his post-game press conference because the first thing he did when he was asked about one of his concerns was he brought up a bunch of the mistakes made, whether it was executing play calls or just maybe having opportunities and just not capitalizing on them. And sure, you definitely, as we'll get into in a moment, you cannot just point at the players without question. This is a multifaceted problem on defense. However, when there are plays to be made in this kind of football game, a game that you have got to have, you got to make those plays when you get your chances. And South Carolina, especially in the second half, even though the scoreboard would indicate that they did not, you know, play that badly up until, like, of course, the last nine, eight minutes of the game, this unit, they just... For the most part this season, they've not made the plays when they've needed to the most. And that is probably the best way to describe how this side of the ball has played to this point in the season. That leads me into some of the coaching decisions. And one in particular that I think we can all agree at this point, it's time to end the experiment of playing three safeties on the field at one time. It was cute the first couple weeks. And sure, the nickel corner spot was completely decimated with injuries at the beginning of this season. Keaton Nelson Jr., again, has been out since week one. I plan to ask Shane Beamer later today when he has his weekly Sunday teleconference call what the situation is with him, if he's going to come back, or if he's still trying to heal up from that injury. David Spaulding, being dinged up all season long, was limited during the bye week this past week, or two weeks ago now, I should say. So I do understand that you do get to a point where it's like you got to just make some sort of adjustments in terms of your personnel when injuries pile up at one spot. So they decide to move at first DQ Smith there against Mississippi State. We all saw what happened in that game, and I think the coaching staff recognized very quickly this is not going to work out long term. So they pulled DQ Smith out of there, and they put Nick Evanwary in there. And against a team like Tennessee, who has good athletic wide receivers like Squirrel White, who did play in that slot position, but maybe not a guy that's an absolute game breaker like they had in years past. 
Nick Emmonworthy, therefore, had a decent game. He did not do a bad job against Squirrel White. But you also got to remember, Tennessee's offense, the route concepts, quite frankly, are not that complex. Sure, they're option routes, and it's not like the receivers have it easy out there in that offense. But besides running a bunch of hitches and switch routes, there's not a whole lot to that position at Tennessee. There just isn't. Florida, however, that is not the case. They actually vary up their route concepts. They will run a bevy of different things outside the numbers and over the middle of the field maybe some dual move or double move routes. And they will keep your heads on a swivel. And for Nick Emmonworthy in this football game against Florida, there were plenty of times where he just flat out got caught not looking for the football. And that obviously is something that you train your defensive backs on a ton, especially those that are true cornerbacks. And that leads into my next point. Nick Emmonworthy is clearly not a nickel corner. He is a safety That is not his fault, what happened on Saturday. It is not his fault at all. That is on the coaches for putting him in that situation in the first place. 1,000%. And I get it. Jalen Kilgore, he's played really good for you this season. He's probably going to be another freshman All-American on Torian Gray's resume. That is great for him. He's been a bright spot for this football team. He truly has been. But you cannot continue to play basically three safeties on the football field at one time. One of them clearly in a position that he is not completely accustomed to. And Nick Emmonworthy has also been playing banged up apparently. Which just compromises him even more. You cannot continue to do that. Just to get your, I guess, quote unquote, best 11 on the football field. I'm not sure what the decision is at this point. But I will say this. And I will elaborate on this later this week. If you make this same decision against Luther Burden of Missouri, who right now might be the best receiver in the country, and yes, that includes Xavier Leggett, as good as he's been this year, if you do that, you might as well open up the record book for Missouri and get ready to put him down for most receiving yards in a single football game in program history. I'm, I'm serious. I don't know how many times they've got to see it at this point. It happened against Mississippi State, and now it's happened again against Florida. And again, Those are not exactly two powerhouse offenses that you're facing. Missouri is a team that's giving you fits for the last four or five years. Really good at game planning, especially when it comes to facing South Carolina. So if you do that for another week, you're going to pay the price for it. I'm just going to say that right then and there. You're going to pay the price for it. And that is just one of many decisions that has caused fans to start to question whether or not It is time to start looking at potential changes here. I'm not going to comment any further on that right now. I'm going to wait till after the season to see how it all unfolds. But I will just say this. It is pretty clear in my mind that some changes have got to be made defensively. You can't completely overhaul the scheme and decide to start running like some 3-4 that you haven't run all season long. You can't do that. At certain spots, admittedly, you're not going to be able to just yank guys out of the starting lineup and put other guys in there. I do think there's a couple guys that should get more looks. I've mentioned Grayson Pup Howard in the past. If David Spaulding is healthy enough, if Key Nelson Jr., both of those guys are healthy enough now, I really think that it's time to get those guys back in a nickel corner. Because again, if you keep doing this whole experiment with playing three safeties and putting Nick at nickel, it it is not going to pay off for you. It's going to pay off for the opponent for the next several weeks because there's some good receivers in this conference and a lot of them having to play in that slot position. So I, I don't know what they're expecting at this point with that continuing to go on. Point being with the defense in this game against Tennessee, 
yes, there were some execution mistakes made by some of the players. But there also needs to be some serious questions thrown towards the coaching staff about certain guys that are playing out there and why, seemingly, there's not a whole lot to point to in terms of progression. That I mean, that's just the bottom line. You look at the stats, you look at the numbers, and they all back that up. And I don't think anybody's looking at the schedule anymore and saying, well, that's the reason why the numbers don't look great. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. So I'm done talking about defense. That's the last bit of that that I'm going to discuss. I am going to talk about the offense, though, because it's not like it was all bad in this football game. The offense showed some really good things, especially when it came to the run game. This offense might finally have unlocked something in terms of finding a balance in their attack. So we're going to touch on that in just a couple moments. Before we do so, I do want to also let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And Athletic Brewing Company, every week, they sponsor the Game Changer of the Week. And this week, I can't pick just one. i got to give it to the entire offensive line for South Carolina. Big time credit to these guys for all they've been through this year. The amount of changes that have been made up front, the amount of injuries that have piled up up front... They finally, they, they figured it out this past week against Florida. Third straight week where the Gamecocks have rushed for 100 yards or more. That's the first time that they have pulled that off since weeks four through six of the 2022 football season. Because much like the offensive line, Athletic Brewing Company, they have been plowing over their non-alcoholic beer competitors. Their brews are great tasting and award winning, and they beat out full strength beers in global competitions. The best part about Athletic Brewing Company is that you never have hangovers when you have their non-alcoholic brews. First time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off at your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, for, thank y'all for sticking around on this reaction edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Let's touch on the offensive side of the ball before we wrap things up. Yes, South Carolina did not win this football game at the end of the day, but this offense deserves a ton of credit for how much they have seemingly worked through the issues that they have. And listen, some of these issues still aren't going to be solved completely overnight. It's still going to take some time and some patience in order to see some of these changes bear some fruit on this side of the ball. But this offensive coaching staff and Dow Loggins, they deserve a ton of credit because they looked at this offensive line and they decided to make some massive changes up front in preparation for their game against Florida. On Saturday afternoon, the starting line for the offensive line was Tree Babalade at left guard, or excuse me, left tackle, Trey Jones at left guard. Nick Gargiulo got bumped over to center. At right guard was Trevon Baugh, and at right tackle was Rashawn Lee. Basically, you had, I believe, two new starters along the offensive line, or I should say one new starter, and you had four different people at different positions, I should say. At left tackle, Tree Babalade, that was the one area that did not change at all. From week 5 to week 7. But this staff felt like that they had to make some adjustments. To try to get more out of this offense. And it really paid off. Florida's defense. Again. They don't have a ton of star power necessarily. Outside of you know one or two guys. 
on that side of the ball. But this defense did have some really good rankings coming into this football game, especially when it came to the important stuff. First down defense, third down defense, red zone off or red zone defense, third down defense. They were really good in each of those categories coming into this football game. And South Carolina, at times, they outclassed Florida's defense. And the and the good part was they had drives where they outclassed them, but they also had drives where they flat out just earned the points that they got. We haven't seen that a whole lot from this South Carolina offense to this point this season. Mississippi State at this point, I think we can all go back and look at that game and say the reason that South Carolina won that game is because, let's be honest, Mississippi State's just not that good of a football team. They're just not, okay? Furman, obviously, FCS football program. So you got to take that into account with that game. This felt like the most complete game that South Carolina's offense has played all year long. Running game was effective in this game. Mario Anderson Jr. did not rush for 100 yards, but he did eclipse 120 total yards. And he had some tough runs like he's had all season long. Getting yards after contact, which is why he's now the starting running back. But this offensive line also opened up big time holes for Mario Anderson Jr. on certain plays in this football game, especially early on. And sure, in the second half, give Florida some credit. They made some adjustments, I guess, in terms of their alignment up front, and they did not have as many holes open up. But the offensive line and Mario Anderson Jr. still got three, four, five yards typically every time that they did decide to run the ball. And I don't believe that they had any negative plays outside of like one or two in this football game. This offensive line deserves a lot of credit. They really and truthfully do. Again, this is not the most talented defense they'll face all year, but Florida, in terms of the fundamentals and just flat out getting the job done at the end of the day, they are one of the better ones that they will have seen so far. And South Carolina answered the bell on this side of the football. Props to the running game. Props to the offensive line. Spencer Rattler. Another really good football game. Sure, there's three or four plays, including the interception, that going back, uh, he probably would like to have another shot at. But Spencer Rattler continues to be a reason why South Carolina's offense is just humming along, and he is the reason why South Carolina will still, no matter what happens the rest of the way, they will have a chance in every football game because of just how talented he is and how good he is for the most part in terms of his decision-making. Xavier Leggett had a good football game, over 100 receiving yards. Omega Blake made a couple of catches, which I think is very promising. They really need Omega Blake to step up at the wide receiver position. Nick Harbour had a big-time catch in the first half. Basically, just jump up and grab it, big guy, and he did. About 45, 46 yards, I want to say. That does not mean it's going to work every single time, okay? However, it was a good play by Nick Harbour. Give the man a lot of credit for coming back to a football that kind of was just thrown up for him by Spencer Rattler. The tight ends, I thought, had a solid game as well. Trey Knox, he's not going to shake guys loose. That's just not his game. But Trey Knox, he's experienced, and I would say that he's at least reliable in the short passing game. I think he had over 50 receiving yards. And did have a touchdown where he had to get a bit creative and sort of run along the back line of the end zone, and Spencer Rattler had to escape the pocket, roll out to his left, and fire it across his body. That was a good play. Joshua Simon. Maybe the best play in the entire football game, trucking that Florida defender like he did and then outrunning the last one for a touchdown. Really big moment for him and happy for him because he's a South Carolina knave. And I want to say that that was his first touchdown of the season. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that it was. 
So all in all, this offense all around had a really good performance. And that's what you would expect, again, when you have two weeks to prepare for a football game like this one. So, take away from this offense, um, this offense performance. The Gamecocks might have finally found some balance along the offensive line in terms of pass protection in the ground game. I will say this, Rashawn Lee got rolled up apparently at the end of the first half. Did not play throughout pretty much the entire second half. And the drop-off was very noticeable going back and watching the film of this game. If South Carolina's going to have a chance against a defense like Missouri that likes to be aggressive in terms of how they blitz, and Texas A&M, which is very talented up front, they need Vershawn Lee to be in there with them. So we'll see what Shane Beamer says during his Sunday teleconference call. We'll see what kind of update he gives us when he gets to his weekly press conference on Tuesday afternoon. But with all that being said... That's going to do it for this reaction edition of the Locked on Gamecocks podcast. I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed this show. Uh, Feel free to use this as your chance to vent, okay? What were your biggest gripes about this game? Whether whether it's the defense, maybe some of the bad special teams play, or, you know, a couple of the mistakes the offense made. And what are your thoughts on sort of the rest of this season? Trust me, I'm going to dive into that subject a lot more for the Monday show, so be sure to tune in tomorrow morning, I should say, or Monday morning, Whether you listen to the show on a podcast app or you watch us on YouTube. Again, thank y'all so much. Have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon. And I will catch y'all very shortly on the Locked on Gamecocks podcast.